This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 310, Shazam! Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens, and this is a podcast where we take pop culture stuff and talk about it, and we are three Christian guys who bring our faith into the conversation, and I'm one of those three guys. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I've been joined by my friend Evan. Hello. And my friend Steve. Hi, everybody. This is me with no accent. Evan David and Stephen McDonald. And as you can tell, Evan is from uh, Great Britain, and yeah. Steve is from Lesser New Britain. England, and <laughs> I am hip, hip. I am from uh, the middle of cornfields. So, <laughs> uh, so the question is: Will Evan sustain the accent throughout the entire episode? And if he tries, accepted, when will mate. we stop him down? And when will we decide <laughs> this is not going to happen? That's the question. Right. <laughs> so we are here to talk about the movie Shazam, which is not a road trip movie because we just couldn't schedule it. It probably would have been, but didn't schedule out that well. And that means Steve gets to be here with us. Yay so for me. Yeah, Poor scheduling I, for us, but ends up being good for good for us too. So we have all seen this movie, and if you have not seen this movie, we're going to talk about it for about I don't know, five, seven minutes right now without spoilers. Then we'll play the spoiler organ, and then we'll talk about, about it with spoilers. So basically what I'm going to tell you right now in this podcast episode is what I told my kid's dentist this morning as I tried not to spoil it for him as he was asking me about it. So... Yeah. So where do you guys want to start? Um, Evan, you wanted to talk about rankings, but I think I want to talk about recommendation. Uh, All right, go ahead. Do you recommend Shazam, and who do you recommend it for? And I can start, or you can start. I don't know. Who starts? Me? You? Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, I'd recommend it to people who like superhero movies. Um, but uh, it's surprisingly, it's not for kids. Um, uh, at least not, I, I'd say it had, it, it, it earns the PG 13 rating, you know, um, it has some content in there, some topics of discussion, 
that might not be good for younger children. And also it has some surprisingly very scary visuals as well. All right. But you liked it? Yeah, I really did. Okay. Steve, what about you? Do you recommend it? Who do you recommend it to? Thoughts there? I would say if someone, I mean, the, the thing is there's, there's a lot of kids in the movie. So bringing your kids to the movie, your kid may very well see him as one of those characters or a part of that character. So, you know, there's a positive there, but you know, some elements in the movie really make it problematic. And we'll talk about that, you know, in the spoiler section, but you know, I would say, I mean, if your kid really loves Shazam, Captain Marvel, and, you know, really wants to to see the movie, eh, okay, take them and make sure that you're jotting down some notes because there's some, you know, teaching moments, let's say, <laughs> that you're going to have to go through after, at the end of it, or you should as a, as a good Christian. Um, but other than that, I mean, Shazam... It's not like it's a, you know, an, an A-list, absolutely have to go see, like Wonder Woman. You know, you, I mean, you if you like comic books at all, and you like comic book movies, you go see Wonder Woman, you go see Batman, you go see Superman. Other than that, it's sort of like, if you like the character, if you're really interested in it, you know. And for a movie that portrays itself as more of a comedy kitty movie type thing uh, i was really surprised with the pg-13 so big caveats yeah yeah i i i agree with that because i was going into it knowing it was pg-13 and mm-hmm. so i went into it hoping that it would be that soft pg-13 <laughs> you know where um it's pg-13 because there's some intense elements you know and superhero violence um but there's some scary moments here and you know, so if you are thinking about taking your child to this movie, um, you're going to want to know your child. And there are some scary moments, uh, scary in the sense of um, creepy creatures that that do look very, very um, uh, scary. And they do terrifying things to people. Yeah. And, and so some graphic violence. I mean, not graphic, but it's it's like as graphic as oh, well, I would Jurassic say that it's graphic Park or Kong Skull Island. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's not bloody graphic, but that almost makes it a little worse. I mean, it's just like yeah, these the silhouettes. Your imagination. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm uh, I'm ditching the accent. Good. Yeah. Good for oh. you. Just an update. Yeah. Good yeah, choice. Yeah, I don't think you have to tell anyone because because well, I'm, I'm doing on. it because yeah, that's right. No, nobody's gonna think you're still doing it. <laughs> is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but I appreciate that you're letting everyone know that that you're admitting to it, you're copying to it. And it's not yeah, an accident. Just want to be upfront yeah. about that. No, that's that's the best thing you can do as a podcaster. Yeah. Just, just be upfront, mm-hmm. you know. Just yeah. just let it all out. Let let people just know move, exactly what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Just move along. <laughs> so uh, I I will say when we're talking about this, uh, there's a bunch of stuff that they don't even hint towards in the trailers. So if you're looking at the trailers and you're saying Oh, well, what Evan and Ben and Steve are saying, I think, you know, based on the trailers, my kid could handle it. There's a bunch of stuff that they don't show in the trailers, and that's pretty much what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. again, know your kid. Um, 
I, you know, I don't know uh, how I would have handled it when I was young, but I do know of kids who have seen worse stuff. And whether they handle it or not is a different story. But um, I know families who allow their kids to watch worse stuff at younger ages. Um, but I, I would just be careful because it looks like a kid movie, and I really hoped it would be a kid movie. But I'm not going to be taking my my young son to see this, and he really, yeah. really wanted to. Um, wow. But this is one where we've had a couple discussions like that where I've just had to say, you're just going to have to trust me. You're just going to have to trust me that I know you, and I know what you can handle. And, and, and this is not one of the things you can handle. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but beyond that, it was a lot of fun and I did enjoy myself mm-hmm. and it was not perfect. Um, I was also from judging from social media, I was expecting this to be like the best superhero movie of all time. Right. Uh, there were some people <laughs> who were so high on this movie, um, mm-hmm. that I went into it, you know, expecting to have fun, but that's pretty much it. You know, it, uh, it was not this, you know, ch- game changing thing. Honestly, it it was just a good superhero movie, which maybe yeah. that in and of itself is a little bit of a game changing thing. Um, but it, it it was it was fun and it was funny and I enjoyed myself and I definitely recommend this to people who like superheroes and I definitely recommend this to people who are old but feel young at heart. But um. Yeah, but with that caveat of, you know, not not for the little ones that, that I thought it might have. So, yeah, unfortunate, disappointed. <laughs> well, um, uh, I've so, got it on two of my letterbox lists. All right, let's hear as far as falls ranking. on your rankings. I have I have it on in my rankings as well. This is the uh, second best Captain Marvel movie of the year. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but let's let's hear your list. Marvel is uh, going to be knocking at your door. <laughs> yes. So I've got it on my 2019 films, and it's number three, falling behind Alita: Battle Angel and the Marvel Captain Marvel. Okay. All right, and uh, I've got it on my DC Universe, the DC Extended Universe, whatever list, and it's number three on that as well. And it is beaten by Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's probably where it would be for me as well. My my DCEU ranking is, and I don't know if this is up to date. It looks like it might be. I got Wonder Woman as number one. Aquaman is number two. Man of Steel is number three. Um, Batman versus Superman is number four. Justice League is number five. And uh, Suicide Squad is number six. And so I probably, yeah, I put it in between Aquaman and, and Man of Steel. In fact, I'm nice. going to go ahead and do that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But as far as you, movie of the year, I, I gave it four stars. Um, yeah, me too. But I wavered. I wavered a little bit going lower. Um, there was some filmmaking issues that we'll talk about maybe when we get play the spoiler organ. But there was some rookie mistakes and some editing that we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's our, our overview. Good, but not something that we're jumping up and down about. It sounds like. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But, but are you jumping like up a, and down? No, that no, was I'm the, kind. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's fun. No, I, I recommend it. I, I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, 
but you know, there's a whole lot of MCU movies out there that I had a lot more fun during. Mm. Yeah, there's less problematic stuff in a lot of the other films. But Let's as far as as far me. as DC movies go, yeah, the the, the other DC movies, there's less. Oh, I think for there's me anyway. Yeah, not not for me. But oh, the problematic stuff that the... does come up is stuff that I really wish they would have just avoided and not even gone there in the first place. Um, yeah, I think that's that's sort of what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get to spoilers so we can talk about it. All right, let's do it. Spoilers. 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 All right, so we're going to talk in depth now about the movie, talk about themes and characters and talk about problems that we had. And uh, if I may start with uh, some of the problems I had, just so I can get the nitpicks out of the way. Um, First of all, the scope of this movie uh, is so small. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tiny. (laughs) I mean, it's it's so small and it feels like it's budget small. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it you know, was budget small. Reusing se- reusing sets that they didn't need to reuse, you know, if it was if it had a bigger budget. Um, and <laughs> okay, so here's here's what sets it up for me. One of the times they cut to the school, and they always do an establishing shot, which is good. That's good filmmaking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the establishing shot that they use, there are two girls standing near the center of the screen, and another girl with a Batman backpack on running to them. Now, throughout yeah. this whole movie, I'm thinking like, you know, there's there's all this Justice League merchandise. And and I'm just wondering how would it work? You know, would the real world be like that where you'd have all this Justice League merchandise and how would the licensing work in the world? And, and you know, it's the same thing with the MCU where they have uh, Avengers merchandise, you know, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's even I think even more of a stretch where, you know, that's that was. I guess it was official through S.H.I.E.L.D., but anyway, I noticed it because I was already thinking about it because of the kid's room where he has all this stuff about Superman, including official merch um, and in- including that eBay bullet, which was a great, great moment, and it led to another great moment. Mm-hmm. We come back to the school another day, and those same two girls are standing in the center of the screen talking with that same girl with a Batman backpack, and it is just a continuation of the footage they shot from the first set, uh, first uh, establishing shot. And they come back to it a third time. And this time she's talking to them and they start running to class. And it's just like they, they just took these, this one uh, coverage that they made and just cut, cut, cut. We're just going to splice these three things in. And it did not. And so that, okay. Minor nitpick, probably, but at the same time, if you were trying to show the passage of time and show that it's a different day, then you don't have the people in the same clothes, in the same positions. Yeah. And and at first I thought, oh, did they just have them all stand in the same? No, no, no. They, they just took this, that one shot where she runs up to her friends, they talk a little bit, and then they start to go into the building for class. And mm. it it got me thinking and, and, and being more a little more, I think, critical of small um, – filmmaking things like that so when i say the scope is small i'm not saying that it's a it's a tiny location that they're protecting or you know i don't mind that at all i mean that um 
you know, they, they use that carnival set for a lot of different things. Like, and so that means that the carnival where he gets separated from mom at is also the place where they have their big final battle. Right. Now, that's not bad if they are going to at least address the coincidence by making something thematic, have it have a thematic value to it, but mm-hmm. they don't approach it at all. It's just, it's just, it, it's just the action set piece, you know? And um, so that, that kind of thing that, that bugged me a little bit and that took me out just a little bit too. That yeah. might be more my problem and, and reveal more about me than about the movie, but <laughs> so there, I didn't there was that. any of that when I saw it. I think, I think for me, one of the problems was, okay, he's got, let me just look at my notes so I can make sure this, <laughs> he's got the, um, the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, the speed of Mercury. And he shows all of them except like the wisdom of Solomon. I mean, over and over he's doing like dopey kid stuff and you know what it reminded me a lot of like the first season of greatest american hero yes me too yeah where he has all this power but he doesn't have the book but the thing is he does have the book because he has the wisdom of solomon so he should be able to you know to do to deduce it they should have had some sort of a thing where you know along with all these other powers you know doing advanced algebra Exactly. You're you know, helping give me, homework. Give me, give me seven, you know, 14 digit numbers and I'll multiply them or, you know, something ridiculous. You know, there was a ridiculous movie in a lot of ways, but, you know, just, just to show the wisdom part of it or at the end, you know, when he, he, uh, you know, lets everyone touch the, the, the staff and gives them the powers, have that maybe be that wisdom moment or something instead of it just being sort of like, Hey, you know, we're both holding this stick. I could hit the other guy with it. You know, I could hit Dr. Savannah with it. And then, I mean, just have it be like this moment where it's like, I've been relying on all these physical powers and I have this other power. And they just, they didn't, I mean, it just seemed like an afterthought type of like a, Hey, why don't we do this type of a thing? The hard thing with the wisdom of Solomon thing is they are definitely playing up the childlike nature of the character. This is right. a child in the body of Superman. Mm-hmm. And and that's good. I like that aspect of things. And the question is then how do you show a childlike nature and you know childlike enthusiasm without it looking goofy? And without, right. you know, and, and so how do they bring the wisdom of Solomon into it? Because the danger there is that you end up with a stiff cardboard version of of the character. You you end up with with the Shazam TV show, <laughs> where it, that that actor is not playing a child who becomes Superman. He's just playing Superman, <laughs> basically. Um, it's like Robin becoming Superman. I really enjoyed how they they portrayed the wisdom of Solomon in the Young Justice TV show. Because they really nailed the whole child in an adult body, but then every once in a while, he would just come up with this wise thing to say. You know, if like somebody's talking to him about uh, uh, relationship problems or something, he'd 
he'd say something really wise and thoughtful and then he'd be like, Oh look, a tiger. And then he'd go over and, you know, <laughs> so I thought yeah. they balanced it very well in that, you know, it, it's a hard balance to get because you can do it. You know, there are children who are yeah. wise uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and wisdom isn't smarts necessarily. You know, when you right. define wisdom, uh, at least when I define wisdom, it's what do you do right. with knowledge? Yeah. Wisdom is, is, is what do you do with knowledge and, and, doing right with it and doing, you know, and, and knowing how to use it well. And, and so that's kind of how I define wisdom when I'm separating it from just, you know, a wise person versus a smart person. Right. And so you, right. you don't have to be smart to be wise necessarily. You know, you can. But, but even with that, tr- traditionally, the, the Shazam family, the Marvel family had, it, it, it included knowledge it included you know uh photographic recall and you know things like that um you know solving those you know math equations that i was talking about it included all that traditionally but i can i completely see what you're saying how you know wisdom is sort of like the way that you use knowledge yeah and two more points if i may uh solomon had a lot of wisdom but he didn't always use it <laughs> That's right. So just because you have it doesn't mean you got to use it. And then yeah. also, I feel like he didn't show much of the uh, what was it, bravery of Achilles either. It was just kind in, of his own bravery. In the end, he did. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think he had to overcome a lot of things in the movie, and some of that was coming to terms with those powers. I think. I think that the what's nice about this movie. Okay, taking all those things away for a moment, although you don't necessarily have to, because this is it's an origin story. You know, I mean, this is someone who is stepping into huge power and learning like he can't fly yet. Like he has to learn how to fly. Mm -hmm. He has to learn how to use the powers that aren't just natural, like being bulletproof. He has to learn how to do these things. And I think maybe there's an aspect of that with wisdom as well. I think that wisdom is something you can learn wisdom is something that gets that grows over time and you know maybe i'm making excuses for things right now but i think (laughs) i think that we can forgive or at least i can forgive um him not showing a lot of wisdom in this movie and maybe even not showing a lot of bravery in this way as soon as the bad guy shows up and he's he has to deal with someone who's actually strong as him if not stronger uh the bravery kind of goes away like he was brave yeah. when he was the strongest thing. Um, right. But then he's figuring things out. Now, another thing that took me out was the whole bus rescue thing where he yeah. caught the bus yeah. on the windshield. Like, the, yeah, their whole setup is that the windshield is going to break because people keep falling on it. Yeah. But he catches the whole weight of the bus with his, you know, with these two small points of power, you know, like. But that was not – that would have been a good place to, to show the wisdom and, and maybe show the wisdom through, you know, maybe – oh, maybe you want to stay away from that. But like Sherlock Holmes kind of things where, you know, you see the right. angles appearing and you see him figuring yeah. things out, like realizing, hey, I can do this, you know, or something like that. Right. But, yeah. um, but again, I just want to reiterate that to me anyway, these are, are nitpicky things that did not take away from the enjoyment for me completely. And if they did, it only took away a little bit because I gave it four stars, you know, and then the other thing is um, 
there's a lot of good stuff in this movie that I want to talk about too. But yep. let's get out I some agree. more nitpicks real quick. If you have any more, now is the time to air them. Strip before... clubs. Okay, that's, yeah. that's not a yeah. nit- that's not a nitpick. That's that's just that's heavy. That's wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it it's just you know it, when you do that, it, it's you're you're making a conscious choice as a writer. And I'm I'm not sure who wrote it. I'm whoever did, but whoever wrote this made a conscious choice that they were going to include two minors going into a strip club, and then made the conscious choice that they would bring all of the, do the Marvels <laughs> back yeah. there. It's a conscious. It's not like it was you know set up like CC Beck you know used that a lot in the 1940s or something. No. It was a conscious choice and it's, it's, it betrays a certain level of, um, I don't even know what it is. I don't even, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on who wrote it, but it, it just, it, it just shows you a little bit of the interior workings of the person who is writing this because you don't, use things like that for humor. And I mean, and, and it, it was, it wasn't even addressed at the end. It's not like afterwards, you know, Mary went to Billy and said, you know, you really need to. And he's like, yeah, I know it was accidental and, and it won't have, you know, you know, I mean, they could have done something with it, but it was she just did say something to him. She barely, did. Yeah. Barely. But, but it was there. I it mean, was there, but, it, it was but there as a writer and in, in a meta way, the writer didn't even need to put it in there. Right. Of course. But also this is a, you know, it's a worldly writer. Yeah. So we really, I mean, it's but unfortunate. It, well, it's unfortunate that it's in there, but you can't necessarily hold a, a non-Christian to the same standard. That's, I mean, no, that's, that's the thing is that, if, if you're, if you're, that. if you're approaching it from a Christian perspective mm-hmm. and you're writing it from a Christian perspective, then you you either show consequences for the scene, get into exploring why the scene, um, or why what happened in the scene is is wrong, or there's there's issues there, uh, or you don't put the scene in there. Yeah, right. But this was clearly someone, and it's not just the writer; it's it's the writer, producers, and director who allow this to happen, right? And and, and yep. they they all. Allowed it to happen. Why? Because it's a little bit funny. Why is it a little bit funny? Because porn and that kind of club situation is Mm -hmm. not wrong. That's what they're saying. In their eyes, yeah. It's it's there. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is is they look at that and they say this is not wrong. It's actually kind of funny because what would a child who finds himself in an adult body do? They try and get beer. Now the beer scene though is very similar, but it worked so much better. Yes. Because they take they both taste it and then they're like, ah, oh, this is this is horrible. And then they then smash cut to them walking out again and they've got candy and chips and energy drinks, you know. Um that was good and a good way to show, hey, I'm trying to do something that adults only do. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing to do. And we were so excited because we could do this thing. Yeah. And, but then they do the same thing with the, with the club and, and it's, it ends up being a situation where yes, from the world's perspective, 
some people do find it wrong. You know, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people who do not necessarily follow any kind of religious following, Mm -hmm. uh, but who understand that there are things that pornography does that is bad and not healthy. And, And so there, there are people, but I imagine that for the person who's writing this and for the people who are producing and directing it, it's okay because it's a natural part of their life in yeah. in one way or another. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe not that they're using it or maybe, you know, but one way or another, this is a part of the life we live in or the world we live in. And that I, I agree with you, Steve. I, once that happened, I was just, well, you know, forget the monsters. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to have the conversation with my eight year old. Mm. about what's going on there. You know, it's like yeah. that one that one stupid line in Homecoming. Uh right. where it's just what are you doing? Looking at porn and then it's yeah. porn becomes the joke. Yeah. And then you had the 7-year-old sitting next to me who shouldn't have been there probably. But the 7-year-old next to me who turns to his mom and says, "What's that? What is it?" Yeah. And she won't answer yeah. and he keeps asking because it was said, people right. laughed and he doesn't have any kind of fortunately for him he doesn't have any kind of reference for that um right yeah and then and then when he shows up at the the prom or the dance and the the mary jane or whatever gives him the middle fingers which is like you know i see that all the time i'm I'm a school bus driver and kids do it joking around but now you're normalizing it you know it's like what <laughs> you know, yeah, but that's that's the right word there, Steve. Movie. That's the right word, normalized. Yeah. And, and it is normalized in our world. And so what Evan was saying, I, I I agree with in some ways too, because this is the world that we live in and it's normalized, and these are artists who are reflecting the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And they would say in- it's a true example of what someone in that situation would do. Well, I think it's also, I mean, do you know what, uh, sociologically, when someone talks about a social contract, Mm -hmm. am I getting too metaphysical here? Um, A a social contract is when you're basing your morality on something other than Christianity. Like, you know, uh, America was built on Christian That's that's not my understanding, but but continue. Well, go ahead with your definition. My de- definition of the social contract is that it's something that you're doing based on how it affects the other people around you. So like I, sense, the social contract yeah. is you don't go out and just scream swear words. Most people don't do that because it's kind of a social contract where you don't go in the middle of the playground and just start sh- shouting out swear words. Exactly. My point is that that is when it's when it's based on something other than Christian morality, then you have this like a sliding scale, you know, when people uh, get together and it's just a, a bunch of guys getting together. And this happens to me all the time because I, I have different groups of people. Like I'm with church people and then I'm with children and then I'm with adults and they very quickly slip into, you know, the rude jokes or the, the bad language. And it's, it's because they think that I am working under the same social contract as them. But, I don't do those things. And then all of a sudden, sometimes people are like, why aren't you laughing? How come this seems weird to you? And it's, you know, it's awkward for me, but it also opens it up to a point where I can 
you know, maybe even give them the gospel, that type of a thing. But when movies and TV shows and stuff like that, they're working under that, that, you know, social contract where whatever is okay in culture right now, then it's okay to show it. So, you know, people giving middle fingers to each other and laughing, ha ha, that's okay. You know, a, a couple of years from now, it might just be the F word all the time or, you know, whatever. And, you know, it'll be okay then. It's not okay now, but it'll be okay then because it's the sliding scale. We as Christians, we know that morality comes from a deeper source and it doesn't change. So that's, you know, so people are like, well, how come Christians can't change with the times? It's because our morality doesn't change with the times. So, you know, a, a lot of times when I'm watching these movies, you know, it's like I'll laugh a little bit at something because something's funny. And then something like this will come up and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, and it takes it really just drags me out of the movie. And then I get that pit of the stomach thing. And then it takes like three or four funny things for me to actually start to get into it back again. You know, so I don't know. I sort of went on a little rant yeah. there. <laughs> what it does do is potentially maybe open some conversation about why that happened. But I don't want that conversation right now with my eight year old. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Like, exactly. Um, yeah. And it goes down to some, you know, when we, when we teach about morality in a, a church setting or something like that, I will not with third graders talk about the word porn. I'll talk right. about you be careful what you look at and guys, you know, you might want to look at something, you know, you're not supposed to and, and conscience and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I also don't want to be the one, and this is where this movie does it. You know, I don't want to be the one putting the idea of what pornography is in the head of a child who is not aware of what it is. Right. You know, because, yeah. yeah. It, and, and it's happening younger and younger. That's, that's the thing. I mean, we're talking about oh, yeah. porn now, but, um, like kids are are finding it at a younger and younger age, and it's it's the kind of thing where yeah you, they probably do know what it is, but I don't want to be the one who puts it in the head of a kid who goes home then and and tries to find out what it is without you know talking to his parents or, or that kind of thing exactly um, yeah. the bible the bible says you if you cause one of these little ones to stumble. It, you might as well just put a millstone around your neck and jump into the sea. You know, it's like you don't do that to kids. You know, it's common sense. Yeah. So that scene, yeah, hated it. And then they came back, come back to it, hated it. And it really bog bothered me because between that and the violence, this is actually very easily could have been a PG rated mm -hmm. exciting fun for everyone superhero movie but yep. because the pg movie isn't going to bring in the pg-13 audience it'll bring in the over 18s maybe or the over 25s um who have kids um but it's not going to bring in the 19 year old you know it, it, it just isn't and and that's another unfortunate reality is that you gotta in some ways i think beef up the rating so you can you know add in the one F-bomb so that you can get that PG-13 rating or whatever it might be. Yeah, they um, totally do that. And and it's a it's a marketing ploy. It's a budget strategy. Um, but it, it just means for me, you know, I'm not rushing out to 
take my older kids because I don't think that they're going to enjoy it enough for me to have to race out for it. And I had to come back and tell my, my younger one that he couldn't go. Poor little guy. Not really. I mean, he got over it very quickly. He was a little disappointed. <laughs> Actually, he, my wife texted me and said, from, from Doug, is it okay for me? And I texted back and said, sorry, buddy, there's some scary stuff. And, um, and then she texted back with, with his response, which was, oh, okay, thanks, dad, or something like that. Like he, nice. he got over it, but, uh, that's good. That, yeah. But then on the other hand, there's plenty out there for him. There's, there's, yeah, yeah. there's plenty oh, yeah. of stuff that this one movie is not going to be that big of a deal. So. Yeah. Another problem that I had was when they were at the convenience store and they're like, oh, well, obviously the the suit is bulletproof. Shoot him in the face to see if he's actually bulletproof. (laughs) That was the best. That was the best part. I almost walked out. It was was funny. I love it. It was also completely ridiculous in that it. What if it doesn't work? I know. Yeah. Because if it doesn't work. He just, there's brain matter going to be splattered on that kid and he is scarred for life. (laughs) They're idiot teenagers. It was perfect. But, but you gotta, I mean, there's idiocy and then there's why, 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 why? I mean, it, it just, there was no, I mean. It comes out of the mouth of the kid who has no filter though. Yeah. Like, and, and who it's not happening to. Yeah, I mean, he. Right. For me, what, what was I was worried about the ricochet, you know, like yeah, no ricochet. There wasn't any, anything. you know, the bullets just hit and then fell down. So apparently, whatever is going on with his superpowers, it's just absorbing the the force. But um, yeah, I mean, I I worry about ricochet every day because my son is shooting Nerf darts at me, and even if he misses, he doesn't necessarily miss because it, <laughs> it'll bounce off the wall and hit something else. But yeah. <sighs> Shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, besides the, the strip club scene, the only other thing that really well, no, there was two other things that really bugged me, and that was the um the the boardroom scene where it's really, you know, they're mauling and killing everybody. And then the the part where the one lady just touches that door and is horrifically disintegrated. Yeah, that didn't seem to make a ton of sense. Well, it just it Thanos like, snapped, uh, man. Thanos yeah, snapped. It was, it was way worse because <laughs> she's like screaming and burning, and yeah, it was way worse. No, they're definitely setting up for the PG thirteen there, and yeah, I mean they 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 show a creature biting a head off of someone. I mean it yeah. is there. It is yeah. not implied. It is there, and yeah. But that's where if you go into this and you're going in with the mindset of this is going to be a kid's movie and it's going to be a really goofy, funny superhero comedy, then you're wrong. You know, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's not. Uh, but that said, I loved the idea and the way that the, the deadly sins were used. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were horrific creatures and they represented mm-hmm. something horrific. And I, I liked that. Uh, and I liked that that's uh, something that Wisdom of Solomon, he used at the end. You know, they realized Envy was the one that's still back inside Dr. Savannah. And so he yep. starts drawing Envy out, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, I liked that. And I, I wish that maybe 
um, we hadn't finished our Seven Deadly Sins series so soon yeah. because we could have <laughs> talked. Although we did bring up the Seven Deadly Sins from from the Captain Marvel comics, um, we did, we did. But uh, but here would been an opportunity to to do more with that. Yeah, I think I'm going to take a little bit back on that wisdom thing because I I forgot that he he used it to that you know to to pull that uh, to envy back out. But I can mumble, can't I? <laughs> so let's talk about the things we liked well let me talk about something i didn't like for the right reasons and so it's something i did like and it's a it's a nice meaty thematic thing that we can talk about right now especially when it's so cool and so awesome and so acceptable to make fun of millennials but the <laughs> idea of this kid now i i'm not going to get into the aging of things because that Opening scene starts in 1974, and even though that his dad was in a really bad accident, his dad Donald Glover yeah, he looked exactly was Donald the Glover. Same. Yeah, yeah, he so. aged so well over 40 years. Absolutely, like he he <laughs> he had to be 70 something. I mean, he had a teenage son in the car with them as well. Yeah, and yeah. he looked great. But <laughs> with that said, um. When when the the wizard does not accept Savannah, the kid, and and literally just says to the kid, you're not good enough, you know, and mm-hmm. and then you find out this has been happening a lot with a lot of other people. And the only reason Billy Batson gets in is accidental, you know, like Billy Batson he's out of time. He, yeah, th- this is the <laughs> last opportunity. And you are the last one I had, you know, who knows why it was him exactly. Um, other than he was just next in line, but just this idea where and Savannah calls it out, like it happens. And I'm just like, that is something horrible to happen to a child. But mm-hmm. Savannah calls it out and says, you know, you told a child that he wasn't good enough and you know what? I'm proving you right. You know? And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just watching that. And I'm, you know, on one hand you could look at it and say, well, he should, the example that kid should have is you know, don't let anyone look down on you or that kind of thing because you're young. But the example for us is that, um, first of all, Billy Batson gets in because he's the last resort, but at the same time, he rose up to the occasion and he, he wasn't necessarily who the wizard was looking for, but the wizard had to choose someone. And yeah, he, he rose up to the occasion and he, he's the one who, who succeeded. And, he succeeded not because the wizard showed any kind of trust in him, um, but because he had other people who were and who were giving yeah. him other chances. And 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 so you have this kind of dichotomy of this foster system where he's not giving people a chance to give him a chance, you know, and then you have all these people who are being abducted and who are, you know, just have these vague memories of being rejected. And, and it just, to me, it's, you know, the the idea that came to mind was no one is righteous, not even one, yeah. you know, and, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because, because we're not, because none of us are righteous, um, you know, we could all be discarded as not good enough, but that's not what, where God stops, you know, and, and he actually, you know, went through and, and for God so loved the world, he said his only son that whosoever believes in him, you know, and, um, it just the whole idea there as I'm watching it, I'm just like, man, this is there's there's some real richness here mm. of of just not looking for the potential in the person that that's in front of you. 
and you know, especially especially the young person that's in front of you. Now, part of that is that you know, half of my team that I work directly with uh, are would be considered millennials, you know, and um, and I'm working with them. And and do I see there's there's differences between my generation, so to speak, and theirs? Yeah, absolutely, there are. Um, because they're growing up in a different world than I grew up in. But at the same time, um, you can't just write them off because they're different, because they're millennial, because they're young, because they're not good enough. You've got to be looking for the potential that's there, and you've got to be working with them to cultivate that potential. Because if maybe it would have been bad for Savannah, generally speaking, if, if the wizard had actually taken the time to invest in Savannah. It still might have gone wrong, but that's where the wizard brings in more than one. And, you know, there's six other chairs besides the wizards. Like he, yeah. you know, he brings, he should bring in six, maybe one of them is a rotten apple, but you got five more, right? And, mm-hmm. and you're investing in them and you're cultivating the best in them. And, and that's mentoring, you know, that's, that's mentorship. And, and that's the other thing about the wizard is he's just holding on to this. He's holding on to this yeah. and he's not letting it go to anyone except for the right person. And I trust him when he says, you know, I was looking for the one who I, who would not turn against us. He's looking for the one who's not Black Adam. Right. Because that's another thing you can say about the wizard is, you know, he he can't get over the mistake that they made. And mm-hmm. granted, it was a large mistake. And he was but, part of that mistake too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But he like – He's so paranoid about messing up again that it's frozen him and nothing's getting done. Yeah. And, and so this is where you know, we got those nitpicks and then we got those other things that we didn't like. But thematically, there's some real rich stuff going on here with this storytelling. And, you know, and that's just with the wizard. I mean, there's there's more, you know, there's the envy stuff we talked about. And then um, there's all the family stuff and the fostering. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that in a moment. But uh, th- that's some real rich stuff there. And then there's a the whole yeah. being a hero, you know, and and the whole Batman versus Superman argument um, where, you know, Billy is Superman and Freddie is Batman you know, and actually uses the, <laughs> the Batarang, you know, and it, there's, there's just so much going on in this movie that I just, oh, if only, if only, um, but, but those other things are in there too. Yeah. So what else did you guys like? I, I kind of dominated for a little bit there. So talk about some other I stuff you liked. really like the dynamic of, of the, uh, all the kids. You know, having the a foster, <laughs> yeah. like a healthy foster kids. It, it would have been interesting. Of course, they didn't have time to do it. But, you know, a lot of times with foster kids, with, with adopted kids, you know, there are specific problems. And it, it sort of got touched on with one of the kids who didn't want to talk to the other kids. Um, but there are like very specific problems where it would be incredibly difficult for them to, you know, to, I mean, if, if that kid doesn't talk to anybody and that's his thing, then when he gets superpowers, you know, maybe that could be a way to, to sort of look at problems that, that, you know, people in that situation can have and to work them out in a more real life way. Um, not to say that, you know, the, 
it took away from the movie that that wasn't there. But I think it would have been more interesting to have some sort of real life world thing where they did it and turning it to Captain Marvel isn't the thing that that made them better. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, I I really enjoyed the uh, the different characters. All you know, all the the uh, six kids. They did a really good job making them. I mean, I, I guess it started in the comics with you know the diversity that they have, but it didn't. I mean, a, as a a blended family, it felt natural. You know, there's a a family at our church that has a a a, a little black boy and a, an Indian girl from India, and then you know they have their regular kids, and it's like they just they just fit in. You know, I mean, it's not like we look at them any differently. You know, it's it's they just that's what color they are, that's what nationality they are, but they're part of our family, and showing that um, was really positive. You know, I think if you have an older child who is a foster child who's a um, an adopted child, you know, showing them this movie might help them to sort of see how they they fit in with a, a larger family. Um, of course, there's all the problematic stuff too. Right, but, right. Um, um, I I really appreciated the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, showing them as they they were able to break whatever cycle they were in, and they are growing up now. They're adults now. They have the opportunity to help other people now, and and so they are doing the same thing. They are they're helping to break whatever cycles these these kids in the foster system might might find themselves in. Uh, but and it's very watered down. But I really felt like you know that that father at least was a man of faith. You know, and he. I just get the impression and maybe I'm reading into it based on my own bias and everything. Uh, they have that prayer time. Yeah, sure. You know, it's cutesy and, and everything, but um, I just get the feeling that this guy, he is doing this because, you know, it's, it's his mission from God. All right. You know, and, and I just really, I enjoyed him. You know, he was kind of, you know, hippy dippy ish a little bit, you know, and, but that was that was also very enjoyable, you know. Yeah, he tried he tried to be the cool dad, but I mean, but he, that's what we do, right? <laughs> yes and no. I mean, he, he's he strikes me as the guy who's trying to be the cool dad, knows he's not the cool dad, and he's kind of cool in his in his in his you know total not coolness. <laughs> Which maybe that does describe some of us. I, I, I don't know. Cool for uh, for me, the foster family stuff didn't affect me as much because. I had just watched the movie Instant Family, which blows this movie out of the water for touching foster family moments. Uh, you should totally check it out. It does have some. Do they, real... do they turn it to heroes at the end? Uh, not literally. <laughs> so, but then yeah, I also really enjoyed them shooting him in the face. Um, I also really enjoyed the uh, the part where they're. <laughs> they're doing the superhero fight in the sky and Dr. Savannah is doing the whole <laughs> speech and he's like, what? I'm like a Michael That was Lyle really man. funny. <laughs> that was great. Uh, and, um, you see your mouth moving, but all I can hear is boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I was not expecting to see the, the Marvel family in this movie. I was expecting a hint or an Easter egg toward the next movie, right. but when they all showed up, 
that was awesome. I, yeah. was, not I was expecting it, unfortunately, because someone posted on Facebook a picture of the Funko Pops of the Marvel family with ah. the caption with the caption that says, well, I guess I had the movie spoiled for me. Uh. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> you just spoiled it for me. Thanks. Yeah. Pal. Thank yes. Only I didn't use the word pal. I might have used the word jerk in my head. Which would have been really, really unfair to go that far, but <laughs> wow. it was in my head. I did not post it on Facebook at all because that would have been really rude. In two <laughs> other cameos I was not expecting at all was Superman. <laughs> but sure. I was. I I got so excited when that when he started walking, I'm like, oh but then they didn't show his face. Face. That's how I knew about that. It was there, there, you had all these news articles, uh, f- maybe even four, five, six months ago, where they were talking about how um, Henry Cavill wasn't going to be, uh, that they were trying to get him to do it, and he wasn't going to do it. Mm. And so I knew that they had thought about it. I didn't think they'd actually do it. I thought they'd just drop it, you know. And if they had just stuck with that that shot of him holding the tray, that would have been great. But then when they cut away and it's the shot of him standing there and it's cut off at the neck. Yes. It's yes. just – well, you know, that's one budget way to take care of the mustache, I guess. Yep, sure um, is. Well, now it's his long white hair or whatever because he's playing The Witcher on Netflix. Um, okay, and then the other cameo I was not expecting was – Mr. Mind. <laughs> did you see him at the beginning though? I saw yes, him at the beginning. Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 And, and so that I just was, can't believe he's in this movie at all. <laughs> they did a great job with that though. They show him yes. in the jar at the beginning after Savannah, you know, so Billy walks through and the jar is broken. Yep. And then of course at the end he shows up. <laughs> he's got the little microphone. <laughs> Like, I mean, because I'm expecting the whole next movie is going to be Black Adam. But no, apparently it's going to be Mr. Mind. Can you imagine? All right. So we've got for the if they do the Injustice League, it's going to be Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg, Deathstroke and Mr. Mind. Uh, Savannah, he's in there probably. (laughs) Um, So here's here's what I'm wondering, though, is is they're setting up a sequel. Obviously, in fact, I've I've seen something where um, the writer is working on the sequel right now. Like they, mm-hmm. they've at least gone that far, but the, the rock is still talking about a black Adam movie. Yeah. And so how interesting, you know, from a, from just the Shazam side of things, Shazam one, Shazam two, black Adam, Shazam three, like that is, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that it's, it's assuming a good, they're all good to be a Shazam fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, assuming they're all good movies, that's a great way. You know, what do we get with Batman? You know, that'd be a, a great Batman one, Batman two, Joker, Batman three. Mm. Now, instead, we're getting Joker in October. Yeah. The what, what uh, do we get for Batman's 80th anniversary on the silver screen? Joker. Yeah. Like, uh, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> Although we are all, we are getting uh, Tim Burton's Batman '89 on the silver screen back in theaters one day only, and then Batman Returns will also be on the screen, and then Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin. They're all getting a one day only theatrical release. Batman Forever, which is the third movie. 
Right. Why did they do that? Why didn't they just wait? They just had to wait one movie. Batman and Robin. Yeah, do the Batman and Robin movie in the movie where you introduce Robin. Well, it would make sense. And then call the next one Batman forever because it's the fourth movie. But it would make sense if they didn't do a fourth one because it's Batman. Batman Returns, Batman Forever. You know, that kind of makes sense. It's like a progression. But then they went and made a fourth one. And so now it doesn't make sense. (laughs) It it, it, doesn't make sense. Sure, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. But come on. I think it makes sense if you realize that Tim Burton was actually signed on for a third movie. And then forever would have been the fourth if Tim Burton's third one had been made. Well, it's interesting because Batman Forever is like, if you look at it, it's like a really artsy, cheesy title. You know, mm-hmm. well, an and it's not choice. as bad of a movie as it as the the reputation that it, it has right now. It's not as bad of a movie. Now, Batman and Robin has that bad reputation. And I tried like when we wa- I can't remember when we did the <laughs> Batman thing. I tried. I, I watched it again and like <laughs> I'm going to watch this movie as a big budget, not a big but budget continuation of burton's batman saga but as a big budget version of adam west's batman and if you watch it that way you can almost enjoy it no i i really enjoy that movie i i prefer it far and away above batman forever (laughs) because yeah i just batman forever i i just don't hate no batman and robin it's not a good movie but it's a great bad movie (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have to watch it on the on the big screen yeah or not <laughs> i'm not spending i'm paid, not spending the extra bucks yeah. to go to the special fathom event watch it on the big screen <laughs> i already i already spent money to watch it on the big screen mm. i don't need to watch it on the big screen again no see for me batman and robin uh batman and robin is to me as shazam is to dougie because I really wanted to see Batman and Robin uh, in my in my day. Because I love Mister Freeze and Bat. Well, I really wanted to see it. So eventually, it came out on. So when I wanted to see a movie that I couldn't go see, my dad would always just tell me the story, like in the car on the way to school. And then when it finally came out on VHS, we were watching it at my grandma's house, and I he would just tell me at certain points to leave the room, <laughs> and <I'd> come back <laughs> in. <laughs> so, yeah. Memories. <laughs> so back to Shazam. <laughs> uh, what else did you like about this thing? Just the overall tone and the the fun jokes. Like most of the jokes were hilarious. I thought they were very funny. Post credit um, scene number two. I didn't see it. What? I didn't think there was a second post credit scene. So uh, I, 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 on one of our threads, I even said something about it. But <laughs> do you know what it is? Isn't it them debating about Aquaman or something? Yeah, like it's it's one of the superpower tests that they were doing. And he's holding a fishbowl and he's pretending that he can understand what the fish is saying. <laughs> and then he's like, ah, I can't really, you know, this is what a stupid power anyway. Who would even use, you know, you can't. Who, and then, uh, uh, Freddie's wearing an Aquaman shirt with the Aquaman symbol yeah. on it. And he's like, 
dude. And then he's, he's pulling his shirt to show that he's got the symbol there. And he's like, you can command the armies of the oceans. You command an army of thousands of powerful creatures. Billions. And he's talking about how, you know, what a great power it is to be able to not just talk to fish, but to control them. And he is just saying what I've been saying for years, which is <laughs> you can make your stupid joke about Aquaman talking to fish. Sure. But that is not a bad power to have. If you have that power, you have a really awesome power, dude. So, yeah. Yeah. The So second, second post credit scene was, was fun, but it was only like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Okay. And the end credits were, it's, it's like a retelling of the movie. You know, it's like you can only watch not. the end credits and, and not you know, really. If you, if you well, if you didn't no. watch if you didn't watch the movie, you could watch the end credits and be pleasantly, you know, for three minutes, you know, listening to the Ramones. You be... would be very confused because Wonder Woman and Aquaman do not show up in this movie. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, the Flash. It, it, it basically shows him watch the movie. It shows him defeating all the other superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what's happening in this. In that, this isn't the, this isn't the movie. This isn't Pixels, where the end credits retell the movie better than the movie. <laughs> like that the the end credits show in like 8-bit format all the things that happened in the movie and it is so it's actually a lot of fun and so i'm sitting there in the theater and i just got done watching this movie that i hated and then the credits start and i'm like i'm starting to jam to the jive that they're given you know i'm like this is really fun <laughs> this is the exact movie i just saw that i hated but i don't hate it right now because it's 8-bit and silent and Adam Sandler's not talking. Nice. What the Shazam post credit is, is it's a flip book that he and Freddie made about himself. Right. And it goes beyond that though. Cause they go off the flip book <laughs> onto the desk <laughs> and, True. And into another like set of post-it notes. And uh, no, it's, it's fun. It's stylized. It reminded me a lot of, and maybe it's just the Ramones that made it do that for me, but it reminded me a lot of the homecoming and uh, yep. credits as well. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, I I enjoyed the 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 Marvel family. Uh, the yeah. only the only problem that I have with that, and it's not really a problem because how do you how would you do it any differently? Is just I I spent so much time with those actors, and I just enjoyed the actors who were doing the siblings. That yeah. when yeah. they become someone else, um, you know, with except with, for Mary. Was it the same? Mary, I, was it the Mary same person? Was, Mary was a different actress. I think it was really? a different actress. Why would they yeah. do that? She's an idealized version of the, you know, however old she is, eighteen. Yeah, but that's not how they do it in the comics. No, it's not. Well, but no, even Freddie doesn't. Does, Freddie doesn't change form either, does he? I think he gets older, doesn't he? Not in the old comics, anyway. But Mary just doesn't change. I thought. Except the powerful movie, the clothes in the yeah. movie. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, it would have been nice to. I mean, the actor and the actors and actresses did a good job. They did of them. They did, but at the same time, you know, it would have been neat if they did something more special effecty. But there's a real danger, and and Zachary Levi skirted it, but did it really well because there's a real danger of just getting into farce where you have an adult person playing a child role. Right. And, you know, 
I've seen it done really poorly because the mm-hmm. adult can't act basically. And, right. You know, and, and it's, it's either being played for, for laughs or, or whatever. But, um, I did think Zachary Levi did an incredible job as a childlike superhero. I, I just, he did good. Yep. I yeah. Agree. And the other, the other ones did too. Yes. Yes, they did. What else we got? What else we like? Or are we done? Um, I think we're close to done. Yeah. Want to talk about some more themes, themey stuff? You know what I was thinking? Oh, the stuff with Billy's mom. Oh, that was harsh. Yeah. That was another, that was probably the third in the trifecta of things that make this movie a little bit not for kids. (laughs) Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. I couldn't believe they went there. Yeah, it seemed like they didn't really need to, you know? I mean, he's he's already an orphan. I mean, you could even – or not an orphan, but, you know, abandoned. And um, and he's looking for his mom. And, you know, you could, you could have saved it for a second movie. I mean, it could have been something deeper. It could have I had more was, of a tie to the, the carnival. I thought it was powerful, um, especially with um, – you know, he gives back the little globe thingy and she's yeah. like, what is this? You know, and it's like the most important thing in his life because it's the thing his mom gave him. She wouldn't um, even remember that. Yeah, it wasn't. No, she didn't remember. It yeah. wasn't even a thing to her. It wasn't this not important or it wasn't that she's diminishing the importance. It's just for her. It wasn't a thing like it was just the yeah. the plus it was the uh, the pacifier, you know. Yep. And I like how they showed the scene originally from Billy's perspective where he thought saw it as one way, but then they show it as it actually happened. Um, and I just thought, you know what, that's, that's very true to life where, you know, if things that happen in your childhood have such great importance to you. Um, but sometimes it's just, you know, this insignificant stuff that other people don't even notice about. Um, I just thought that was, I, I don't know if it's, a good thing or a bad thing, but I just thought it was very, uh, you know, rung true. And I thought it was powerful. And I thought they did some good things with it afterwards where he's like, you know what? I, uh, everything I thought and I was pinning my hopes on, uh, is not true. And I've been so focused on that. I've been blinded to all the other blessings that I have all around me. Yeah. But it's a rough one to go with. Yeah. Where that's yeah. what's giving him the lesson is, is that the, the parent that he has been looking for all this time really doesn't care. Yeah. Like that's, that is not a child movie thing. You know, that, that is not, you know, child movie, you kill the parent off. That's worse. (laughs) You think that sounds worse, but, but that's just, there's a finality to it and it's not the parent's fault. Yeah. But she abandoned him on purpose. And then when he comes to her again, it's, yeah, I abandoned you. Like she says it then. I abandoned you on purpose and I'm not going to let you into my life right now because you know what? I, I, nope. <laughs> and then sends him <laughs> on his way. Yeah, uh, it was that, that was harsh. That was harsh. And that, that's another conversation. I was talking to the screen, Ben. Huh? You I were was talking to the screen. What yep, were you saying? The like, man, you are a horrible mother. <laughs> Well, and and you, it must have really affected you because you remember doing it. 
Yes. Because normally, I mean, you have to really have a good reaction for you to remember it yourself. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I just remember watching this, like, turning my stomach, you know, because it's just so horrible um, that she chose to do that. And I'm like, yeah, just thinking about my own kids. I'm like, no way, man. This is horrible. Well, but the, the difference is, like, you know, children who get adopted, a lot of them have been purposefully not abandoned necessarily, but given up, you know, and there's a part of me that wishes it had been more like that instead Mm -hmm. of just, Oh, the police were there. They had you. And so I just decided, you know, I I was going to walk away. It was just easier to do that. Yes, sure. The, but they had to put him in for the purposes of the story. They had to put him into the foster system. Yeah. You know, and, and how do you get him into the foster system where, you know, the, the parent is still alive and, um, I don't, I don't know how they would have been able to do it in a different way, but, you know, there, there is sometimes honor in that where a mother realizes I can't take care of my child. I need to find someone else who can. And, and that's where, you know, adoption comes in and that's where, you know, um, but this was just harsh. (laughs) Like this just felt so, so rough, so rough. And, And maybe we need to, you know, maybe revisit how we feel about this woman doing this. Like, it, it was this that same kind of honorable? I'm giving up my child because I can't take care of my child. Um, but oh man, it was just hard, hard to watch. Yeah, and surprising when it when it showed up on screen. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the the little boy did a good job of acting too. You know, it's like you almost wanted to see a little bit more of what the early part of his life was like, you know, Mm. I mean, I mean, it's all early, I guess, but you know, you get a little bit of it in the, the interview, um, as he's going into his next house. Um, but you know, maybe to see a little bit more of how that little boy just, I mean, he just seemed so innocent. And so, you know, all that stuff became, the Billy Batson that we see, you know, it, it seemed like there was, there was a lot of character growth and depth that happened with, you know, just a couple of lines of dialogue. It would have been nice to see it. Well, um, I don't know. I think that might be a good place for us to shut down this conversation. I hope that the negativity at the beginning has been a little bit outweighed now by some of the positive stuff that, we found in this as well um because all things considered for an adult i think it's a good movie yeah i I think it's a it's a good movie that brings up a lot of uh conversational stuff to think about um i i I think that it it's uh it's fun um and in some so you have what's called the adolescent power fantasy that mm-hmm. they talk about a lot with superheroes, which is absolutely what Shazam is. Is it's not just looking at Superman and saying, Ooh, Superman's so cool, I wish I could be like him. In Shazam, you're looking at a kid who becomes Superman. And so it's like one layer removed in the separation between you and that fantasy. Uh the child becomes the superhero. And the other side of that is <laughs> is the the middle-aged 
adolescent fantasy, which is, you know, to, to look at something and, and say, oh, I remember what it was like to be young or, oh, this makes me feel young again. And, and there was a little bit of that where I remember being the kid who wanted to be like Billy Batson. Now, the Billy Batson I wanted to be like was in really simplistic, cartoony looking comics that I had one or two of and a not great half hour live action TV show on Saturday morning <laughs> that it wasn't even campy. Uh, although there was a camper yeah, you know, yes, traveling there was around in the Winnebago. But, I wanted to see mentor in this film. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder what role mentor serves in Billy's life. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about, you know, just, just labeling it exactly what it is. Um, but point being, uh, it was still cool to me because it, the kid he was not even that young necessarily. I, he would have been what, 16 or 17. Um, but the kid says the word, the kid becomes the hero. And I remember wanting to be like that. And I remember, um, yeah, just, just the idea was so cool to me. And watching the movie, it, it kind of came back to me, just childlike joy of superheroes. Uh, and there was a real Superman the movie vibe to a lot of this movie. And they brought in the John William John Williams horns when Superman walked in. Yes. But, <laughs> but there was a number of music cues in this movie that just really brought back just some of the, the John Williams-ness of, of the Superman movie. And yeah, if you take the Superman movie, mix up, a little bit of greatest American hero in there and then throw in some um, power Rangers. I don't know, but we're to get that adolescence in there. But um, yeah, it, it just, it was a lot of fun for me as an adult. We talked about the disappointments already, so I'm not going to reiterate that, but final words from you guys, gentlemen. My final me. word would be Shazam. I guess there's probably not a better final word than that. <laughs> Evan's, Evan's got something. Yeah, I'm going to read a line from this random comic book. Well, I meant final you words know, really about the, the topic that we're talking about. Like, did hey, you have anything else you, you wanted to say? Final word. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about this movie before we stop talking about this movie? He does, and it just happens to be a random line <laughs> in the comic book. I do, comes. exactly. All right. The line is halfway there, Hercules. Nice. It's my line. All right. I'm wiping away tears. <laughs> I've got I've got two final words and um one is uh Tom Holsty on Facebook posted uh he was wondering how much they changed the origin of for sh the Shazam movie of of Gomer Pyle and uh <laughs> I I replied and I felt very proud of this reply so that's why I'm I'm saying this I replied that um, it's a total retcon. There's no mention of Barney, of Andy, or of Aunt B, but they did give us a nice um, goober Easter egg. So I was I was proud of that reply. So I like that's, that. That's why I'm going to say that here. And the other thing I'm going to say is don't forget, Kickstarter's still going for uh, Supersonic Pod Comics. So just go to supersonicpodcomics.com slash Kickstarter, and you can support and be a part of a all new crazy big superhero universe that is going to be coming your earways soon. <laughs> is that a word? 
It is now. Earwax? <laughs> Sounds good to me. It's going to be invading your earwax. <laughs> so, <laughs> then finally, I want to say thank you so much for listening, spending time with us, and letting us uh, geek out, complain, and discuss, and uh, spending time with us as we're doing that. So, thank you for listening, and as always, Shazam and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. Shazam!